You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Spurgeon answered this in great ways. We draw near to God in worship, praise, and prayer. We worshiped Him. We praised Him. We prayed a simple prayer. We draw near to God through worship, praise, and prayer. And prayer becomes a dialogue, not a monologue. We don't tell God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and you heal this person and that person, and I'll see you later. I've had conversations with people like that. Have you ever thought about how our prayers feel to God? Imagine he's your best friend on the phone with you. Would it sound the same? Or would you take time and allow him to speak to you as well? Pastor Dave is going to take us today through what a real conversational relationship with God could be. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 14 as he continues his message, Knowing Jesus is God. Maybe you're not satisfied with what you know now and you want to get a little deeper, a little closer to God. If that's you, man, are you in a great position? Because Scripture says that if you seek Him with your whole heart, you will find Him. If you're seeking Him with your whole heart, He's going to allow you to find Him and pour His love out upon you. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, the scripture says, not only will you be filled, but you will be blessed. Blessed. Oh, how happy. You will have that joy. So Philip throws the question out, show us the Father. That's fine with us. Just show us the Father. Look at verse 9a. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you do not know me? Have not known me, Philip? Philip? Is Jesus having one of those moments with the disciples? Is he getting a tad frustrated? Is he kind of sitting there going, guys, he's essentially saying, listen, you guys have been with me for over three years. We've sat around the campfire together. I've told you about my life. You've seen me. You've heard me talk to the Father. You've seen the miracles. You've seen things happen. Have it been, what's, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? Do you still don't get it? Do you not know? Do you still don't get it? Here Jesus is at the end of his ministry. The cross is hours away. Hours, mere hours away. The cross is right there staring Jesus in the face. He wants to impart to his disciples a few more nuggets. He wants to draw them ever closer to him. He knows what's in store for them. He knows that they're going to have all kinds of problems once he goes to the cross. He knows that they're going to be persecuted. He knows what their hearts. He already told them, don't let your hearts be troubled. But they are troubled. They're concerned. They don't get it. They don't understand it. Your hearts are troubled. They keep asking questions. I don't know the way. How are we going to get there? We don't know where you're going. Show us the Father. Go on. 
Stop messing around. Let's go. Jesus looked at Philip and kind of gave him one of those smiles. Did he give him one of those smiles? Now, before we come too hard on these guys, <laughs> before we come down too hard on these guys, I have a confession to make. I'm no different than Thomas and Philip. I'm no different than Thomas or Philip. I don't know. You guys are much more spiritual than I. I'm no different than Thomas and Philip. There are moments in my spiritual life that I simply don't get it. I just don't get it. And I sit before the Lord and go, wow. What are you saying? I don't get it. I have to be told by Jesus, this is what it means to know me. This is what it means to know me in that fashion, that deep, meaningful relationship, that deeper relationship that no one can tell where you leave off and I begin, or I begin and you leave off. That deep, deep time we have together. This is what it means. I don't get it. I know you don't. That's why I love you. That's why I went to a cross for you. Faith, believe. David, I didn't ask you to get it. I asked you to believe it. Oh, the thickness of our skull. <laughs> so he looks at Philip. And he says, Philip, have I been with you for so long? Have I been with you for so long? And then he makes another radical claim. He's throwing radical claims left and right. He's throwing them at him, and these guys' his head must be spinning. Look what he says at the end of verse 9. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Wow. It was a rebuke, but it was a gentle rebuke. I think Jesus is smiling at him. I think Jesus is smiling at him. He says, come on, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, if you've seen my love, you've seen the love of the Father. If you've seen me in action, you've seen the Father in action. How many times has Jesus said, I only do the things the Father is doing, and I only say the things the Father is saying? He's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's saying, we are indistinguishable. We are indistinguishable. We are distinct, but we are indistinguishable. And my job is to reveal the Father to you Perfectly, and that's what I've done. Do you want to know God like this? Is it your heart's desire to know God on this level? Look to Jesus. Look at Jesus Christ. Look at him. Study him. Know him. Pray to him. Work with him. Allow him in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to do wonders in your life. He came to manifest the Father to man. Where I said we were going, go over to Hebrews chapter 1, if you will. Hebrews is sandwiched in between Philemon and James. We're just going to look at a couple of verses in chapter 1 of Hebrews. The writer writes this, God, in chapter 1, verse 1, God at various times and in various ways, spoke in time past through the fathers by the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, which is Jesus Christ, by the way, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. God has revealed himself through the prophets. He's revealed himself to them, and now he's revealed himself in a perfect revelation through his dear Son, Jesus Christ. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. 
What kind of God has Jesus revealed to us? What kind of God has Jesus revealed to us? I can tell you what. He revealed to us a loving God, a compassionate God, a God who is concerned with your needs, a God who is concerned about you and concerned about the needs of man, a God who cries and weeps over the failure of man, a God who is in tears because of man's failure and man's failure to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior, a God who wants all to come into repentance, a God who wants all to be with him in paradise, a God who was so upset when people don't accept the Lord, accept him, he cries. You've seen this in Jesus, you've seen the Father. Jesus is standing at the gates of hell with his arms open, and people are walking through him. People are walking through him. What a beautiful God Jesus has revealed to us. His life, his ministry has been nothing more than glorious, what he has revealed to us. And this is a God that we can know. We can know now, not have to wait until we get to heaven. We can know this God now. We worship him. We serve him. The God revealed to us by Jesus Christ. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But the writer of Hebrews, who I believe is the Apostle Paul, continues. Look at verse 3. Talking about the Son, which we know is Jesus Christ, he said, who, being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has an inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than word. But what I'm looking at here is who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person. I looked at these words and I like these words. The brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person. There's another idiom I want to throw out to you. Now, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree is the one that we usually use in a negative sense, but there's another one out there called like father, like son. You know, when the son's doing great, dad always says, like father, like son. You know, what does that mean? Well, that basically means that the mannerisms, the interests, and the behavior resemble that of the father. But, but here we see Jesus is the expressed image of God. His person, we might say, is the splitting image of the father. Now, I looked up a couple Greek words here, and the Greek word used here for express is where we get our word character. It's where we get our word character. It means the exact reproduction or representation. It is used to describe a stamp or an impression that might be made on a coin. The image of someone made on a coin. And just as the impression was the exact image on the die, likewise, Christ is the exact image of God's person or essence. He is the expressed image of God. But he is so much more than just an image on a stamp. He's so much more than such a, an image made by a stamping machine or something like that. So much more. In fact, the idea behind the word image in the Greek is substance. Substance. Jesus is the expressed substance of God. The substance of God. Whatever makes God up makes Jesus up. They are of the same substance because he is God. The Apostle Paul 
gets into this when he says in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus contains all of the substance of God. All of his substance. He possesses the very glory of God, the brightness of his glory. Jesus possesses that brightness, that glory, that Moses only could see. That Moses looked at when he was hiding in the crack of the rock and the glory passed by. This possession was before he ever came into the world. He has always existed in the glory of God. He is eternal. The glory means the brightness, his brightness, his brilliance, his radiance, his splendor. God's light, the very essence and presence, to the point where this same John the Apostle, writing his first epistle, say this, says this, He who has the Son has the Father. He who rejects the Son rejects the Father also, and I might add, rejects the Holy Spirit as well. Why? Because they're a package deal. You can't love the God and not love Jesus Christ. You can't love God and Jesus and not love the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. They are three in one. When you deny one, you deny the other two. It's incredible that you cannot love God and hate the Son. You cannot receive from God and reject the Son or reject the Holy Spirit. To have one is to have the other. And then if you read further down, he says, if you deny the Son, you deny the Father. And if you deny the Son and the Father, you're denying the Holy Spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the agent of the Godhead on earth today. And you're denying it. I don't believe in it. How can you say that? If we serve a triune God. How can you say you don't believe? Because what you're saying is, I don't believe in God. And that's what you're saying. They're one. They're all inclusive. But how can we know this God? How can we know this God on this intense level that this is talking about? Well, one thing, start reading his word. Start reading God's word. Start looking at it and gleaning from it. That which what the Holy Spirit would say to you. Pray to God. Pray to the Father that you would, by the Holy Spirit, be led in his word and that it would show you something. You start reading it and you start studying it. You start coming to studies and you start listening to his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You start getting into that mindset and reading because God reveals himself in his word. God is revealed to us in his word. Jesus is concealed in the Old Testament where God is the main, basically the main character. God, the Father, speaks and talks. But Jesus is in there as well. And then in the Old Testament, Jesus appears on the scene and the Holy Spirit after Jesus. God is there. We can know him by knowing his word. And what happens when we draw near to God? Thank you. He draws near to you. So you take that step towards him, he comes towards you. If you want to know him through Jesus Christ, you start stepping towards him and he comes to you. What does it mean to draw near to God and how do we draw near to God? Well, Spurgeon answered this in great ways. We draw near to God in worship, praise, and prayer. We worshiped him. We praised him. We prayed a simple prayer. We draw near to God through worship, praise, and prayer. And prayer becomes a dialogue, not a monologue. We don't tell God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and you heal this person and that person, and I'll see you later. I've had conversations with people like that. Just when you're ready to say something, they're walking away. Well, what happens when you're praying to God? 
Oh, Lord, you are great. You're a heavenly father. Thank you. Oh, please heal this person. Please do that one. Get me a job. Do this thing. They're not. I got to go now. Bye. That, that, that's why when we have prayer time, I tell people, don't be afraid of silence. It's a good time when you're praying to wait on God. Let him lead your prayer. Let him guide you. Let him show you. So we grow close to God by praising him, by worshiping him, by praying to him. We draw close to God by asking counsel of him. And that's right, asking counsel of God. He is by far the best counselor we could possibly have. I've told you this story before. It's worth repeating. When I first was saved, I was having some difficulties, and I needed to talk to my pastor. There's nothing wrong with talking to your pastor. Anyhow, I wanted to talk to my pastor. And I said, I need to talk to you. And he said, okay. So we went up and we were sitting at 9th Street in Ocean City on the boardwalk, on the bench. And, I, and he looked at me. And before he said to me, he said probably the most poignant words that were ever said to a young Christian. And I loved it. And to this day, obviously, I remembered it. That was 30 some odd years ago because I'm telling you about it. He said, before we begin, I just want you to know, I'll answer any question. I'll try that you can. But just remember, the same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. He's our counselor. God is our counselor. Lord, what am I to do? Where am I to go? How am I to get there? How is this going to happen? I need your help. Please show me. And if you pray and then you seek him through his word, through prayer, and then you think about it, you might get a confirmation from somebody else. You might get a confirmation in his word. Majority of somebody else will confirm his word that you're reading. God wants to be your counselor. He's a mighty counselor. That's one of his names. One of his names. So we draw close to him through counsel. And we enjoy communion with him. We can draw close by having communion with him. I'm not talking about the cracker and the juice. I'm talking about communion. What is that? Spending time with him. Spending time with him. You don't develop a relationship with anybody by not spending time with them. If you're not spending time, the, develop, the relationship is not developing. The only way you can develop the relationship is spend time with somebody. I value the time of fellowship. I love fellowship because during fellowship, after the word was taught, we spend time with each other. I get to know about you. I get to know about what's going on in your life, your family life, whatever, where you're from. I get to pray for you, you for me. And we grow close together. That's communion. That's fellowship. In fact, Scripture calls it koinonia fellowship, spirit-filled fellowship. And that's what we do with God. We have a spirit-filled fellowship by communing with him. And what's the best way God communicates with us? His word. He communicates best through his word. And he loves to talk to us. And don't play Bible roulette. Mm. Go and hang yourself. Whoa, what's that? We, we, we draw close to him. Just by life, by living and giving him praise and glory. Just by our lives, giving him praise and glory for the wonderful God he is. A wonderful Savior. Let me end with this. 400 years before Jesus Christ was born, the Greek philosopher Plato said these words, quote, To find the father and maker of all this universe is a hard task. And when we have found him, for him to speak to all men is impossible, unquote. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm here to tell you this morning that Plato was wrong in his assessment. Our God 
wants to have a relationship with you. Our God wants to commune with you. Our God wants to save you and pull you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our God wants to be there in your time of need. Our God wants to show you magnificent wonders of his love. And he wants you then to show that love to others. I once was at the rescue mission and I never thought that I would be able to witness Jesus Christ to a Muslim. At the Atlantic City Rescue Mission, there was this young Muslim boy who came in. Nice kid, really nice kid. And we tried to witness to him. And every time we said the name Jesus, he so I just really get freaked out when I hear the name Jesus, okay? So for the next hour and a half, we witnessed to this guy, and we never said the name Jesus. All we said was, have you ever experienced God's grace? Oh, yeah. What is God's grace? Well, not getting what I deserve. Have you ever experienced? Oh, yeah. I've experienced God's grace. How about God's love? Oh, yeah. I've experienced that. We talked and talked and talked and talked for an hour. And he was like, oh, I understand this. You know, and, we're, and we just kept getting God. And all of a sudden, the announcement came on. All those who are clients need to go to their bedrooms right now. He said, I got to go. And I said, okay. But I have one last thing. He said, what? I said, grace, mercy, love, our God has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. What? And he ran away. <laughs> but see, he was relating to the Father without relating to the Son. And it's the Son that sets you free, correct? And so he needed to relate to the Son. When you see the love of Jesus, when you feel the love of Jesus, you see and feel the love of God. When you feel the compassion of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, you feel the compassion, you feel the mercy, and you feel the goodness of God. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not a replica. Jesus is not an imitation. Jesus is the real deal. He is God. He and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. One God, and they are the same. If you know Jesus, you will know God. If you do not know Jesus, then you probably have a trouble knowing God. And he says this. He says this so that your hearts would not be troubled in time of woe. He says this because let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, that's where our hope is. It's built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And for that, we're ever grateful. Maybe you don't know God in this way. Maybe you don't know God in this vein. You can. It's a simple prayer. A prayer of asking for forgiveness for your sin. A prayer of accepting Jesus' sacrifice on a cross. A prayer of coming before God and recognizing that you're a sinner and that you fell short. The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as I Am 
In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.